Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasnow. Why do we develop addictive behaviors? Well, as an ex-drug and sex addict, comedian and spiritualist Russell Brand knows a lot about the source of addiction. Russell posits that addiction is synonymous with disconnection. In this short cast, Russell shares the wisdom he gained through 19 years of recovery, including how the 12-step program can help relieve suffering, the commonalities between addiction and meditation, and why we need community in order to heal. A short casts are 10 to 15 minute versions of longer commune podcasts created in collaboration with Blinkist. You can find the full length version of this episode linked in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this condensed version of Russell Brand's insights. Today, we're talking about addiction. Now, when you think of addiction, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Tobacco, alcohol, opioids, heroin, crack? Those are the most obvious ones, but our addictions don't end here. Codependency, toxic relationships, work, you know, you can deny it all the live long day. There are dozens of more insidious ways in which we form unhealthy attachments. According to one study from 2014, researchers estimate that 6% of the world's population is addicted to the internet. That's 420 million people. Addiction is a behavior that you would like to stop, and when you try to, you cannot. All forms of addiction, even the subtler ones, like wanting to be liked all the time, are signals that there's something you're missing that there's a part of you that needs to be fed and nurtured. Addiction begins with pain and it ends with pain. You are in pain, you practice whatever it is you do to get you away from the pain, whether it's pornography or food or sex or drugs, and then it leads to more pain and then the cycle begins again. This is Russell Brand. Russell is an actor and comedian and a spiritualist. He is also an ex-drug and sex addict. And if you have ever opened a tabloid, you are probably aware that showbiz often feeds on exaggerated behavior. If you're a 20 year old at a drama school in London and you are a heroin addict and you drink, that's an advantage. People think, oh my God, this guy, he's crazy. Yeah, until it's not, until it's like, yeah, all right, there's a lot of sick everywhere and he's breaking all the windows. In 2017, Russell wrote the book, Recovery, Freedom from Our Addictions in which he shares the advice and wisdom he gained through 14 years of recovery. He believes that the real question behind addiction is, what pain is it masking? People drink because they want to feel good. They eat foods that are bad for them because they want to feel good. They watch porn or movies because they want to feel good. That's, for me, that's a spiritual issue. The external world cannot resolve the problems of your inner life. So you keep going back for more and more, and the cycle never ends because your inner appetite keeps looking for what it needs. The drive itself, the craving itself is neither good nor bad. In fact, we could argue from a spiritual perspective that what it ultimately wants is love and oneness. Russell believes that all forms of desire 
are the inappropriate substitute for the desire to be at one with God. What I thought was a yearning for heroin or other people's approval or fame or money was this requirement for a connection to God. But God is a heavily cargoed word these days, and a lot of people disconnect as soon as they hear it. So if God is a word that doesn't resonate with you, don't stop listening just yet. I've seen comparative ideas in Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, even sort of secular and materialist ideologies, or even psychiatry, say. In the end, that's an acceptance that there's an aspect of yourself that has to be overcome. Now, to overcome an aspect of yourself, especially if that aspect has made you develop an addictive behavior, you will need structure and support because life is unpredictable. Every day, unexpected things happen that can make you feel overwhelmed or stressed or isolated, all of which can trigger addictive behavior. But there are different ways to become more resistant to these kind of situations. And Russell has found his way in the 12-step program. What I feel like the 12-step program does is it takes you from unconscious, unaware, and places you in conscious and aware, and it does it again and again in the cloudy, murky mess of drug addiction to not drug addict, obsession with other people's approval to not obsession with other people's approval. Now, something the 12-step program that has pulled Russell and millions of others out of addiction was originally developed in the 1930s by the fellowship Alcoholics Anonymous, as a program that served to help its members overcome alcoholism. Because of its flexibility and versatility, the program can be used to address all manners of addiction. But as already mentioned, for some people, just hearing the word God, and God is a word that is used in the original program, can be off-putting. So in order to help others overcome addiction, Russell decided to demystify the program by rewriting the 12 steps in a language that makes the system more widely accessible. I feel that there's as many versions of recovery as there are addicts, and I think these 12 steps, they're like Shakespeare. They can handle interpretation. They can handle people going, well, I'm a Buddhist and I want to do it this way. Well, I'm an atheist, I want to do it this way. We're radical feminists, we want to do it this way. We're, we're, like, whatever it is you want to do, this can handle you. So no matter where you're coming from, what your background or beliefs are, you can apply the 12-step program as a practical methodology that will help you move forward because there are concrete and repeatable steps. Whatever it is that's happening in my life that is problematic for me, I can apply this system. I can acknowledge there's a problem, believe that it can get better, ask for help, inventory it and see what's going on, what patterns of thought and, and in our language defects of character have taken part. I can make a sincere commitment to change. I can list people that I've harmed, be willing to make amends to them. And the process goes on. 10, stay aware. 11, increase conscious contact of higher power. And then 12, be of service. So when I'm thinking about this is what I want to do, I check with program. So basically, whatever problems or challenges you encounter, you can run them through these 12 steps to get guidance. Sounds pretty simple and straightforward, right? But anyone who has ever struggled with addiction or substance use disorder, or anyone who has been close to someone struggling, knows that it's not easy at all. We humans are complicated creatures with an incredible power of bamboozling ourselves. We can come up with explanations and justifications and excuses for virtually anything. So when you're on your own, even if you have clear steps to follow, it is more likely that you'll fall back into your old habits. 
This is why asking for help and receiving external input from other people is essential, especially from someone who is further down the path, a mentor. So me, without this program, I'm a drug addict. That's what I am. My solution to the problems of life, I'll take drugs. Life is painful, trust no one, take drugs. With the program, I am be of service to others. We are all one consciousness. I'm a different person, I'm a different person. But that guy is still in there, you know. So all of these things for me is a process of negotiation and going backwards and forwards and thinking, no, I can do it the old way again. But when I'm afraid or I feel inadequate, I talk to someone else and I say, I've got this problem. I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And my mentor, he knows, you know, where the bodies are buried. He's seen my big inventory of my past. And he's able to say, well, if you're thinking of getting into a relationship like this, you might want to consider how that compares to this relationship that you were previously in. As we go through life, we all develop patterns of behavior and thought that we use to protect ourselves from getting hurt, often subconsciously. But they also prevent us from freeing ourselves from the pain and suffering. So how are you going to concede to your innermost self that your construction that you've been living in is not going to work for you. Not that you're a bad person, but you've got to get deep. And to go deep, to become more self-aware and present to the moment, well, there is no better tool than meditation. But many people struggle with meditation and give up on it before ever really trying because it's so easy to feel like you're doing it wrong. You sit and breathe, But instead of experiencing inner calm, your brain starts bombarding you, spiraling into monkey mind. Loser. What's the matter with you? Flies eat ketchup, they won't eat mustard. What's the big idea? I don't even know what that means. But thought... Thought is part of meditation. There will be thought. You have to let go of the striving. You innocently undertake meditation. You become aware of the external noise. Then the internal noise, the inner monologue, that already is meditation. You let go of the idea that there's something that's going to be achieved because, you see, because I receive most things through the lens of addiction, even when meditating, I'm trying to attain escape and numbness. And transcendence can feel like escape and numbness. There's the absence of self. Okay, let's stop for a moment. Comparing addiction and meditation can seem a little bit surprising at first, but actually, they are almost like two sides of the same coin. Because ultimately, what we seek is spiritual in nature. It is oneness. It is the realization of the non-self. You know, there are times when I feel like I've meditated and it goes how I would have it go, which is absence of thought, absence of self. I feel like, well, God, why would I ever do anything else? This is bliss. This is what I was looking for as a drug addict or through promiscuity. You know, I want to be free of the self. But the drive behind addiction is a kind of self-annihilation. But why are there so many individuals trying to self-annihilate by taking substances? Why is there so much need to numb the pain? Russell believes that addiction is trying to make up for the absence of connection, that addiction is the opposite of connection. Part of the problem, I think, in the world now is that, you know, some people want to live 
fundamentalist Islamic lives, some people want to live sexual libertarian lives, some people want to live Christian lives, atheist lives. Well, why should we house all these ideas? Let people live how they want to live. Stop centralising and umbrellaing and doming these groups of people because it makes economic sense to one particular elite or group. Where possible... So what Russell is doing here is basically applying the program to our predominant social culture and feeling of disconnection. And the first of the 12 steps is agreeing that the current state is problematic. Everything is objectified. Everything is commodified. If you can't contribute, if you can't produce, you will end up homeless on the street. If you can't perform, if you like, seem to be mentally ill, if you can't live in accordance with certain values and ideals established in order to create a society that maintains certain structures and maintains certain privileges. So if you, one, think that's a problem, then the second step is, can you believe it's possible that a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity? Is it possible that there's So a, a the question here is whether a different society would be possible and what would it look like? Is it something that we can't even imagine from this standpoint, or is it actually something that deep down we might already understand? Why do these ideas of fraternity, as it would be explained in socialism, brotherhood, as it would be described in Christianity, oneness, as it would be described in Hinduism and Buddhism, why do these ideas recur? Why do they seem so relevant? What is love other than the acknowledgement of our ultimate unity and the illusion of separation and energetic experience of this oneness? Mm. If these things are real but don't seem as real as a dollar bill, how can we prioritize them? How can we accelerate their value? How can we present to people these ideas as the fulcrum and spine of a new system? Perhaps by helping them to understand that the situation they're living in is problematic, but it is possible for it to change and that together we can achieve that change. The 12 Steps is a system for living in a new story. It allows us to move from unconsciousness and unawareness to consciousness and awareness, and thus begin to relieve our personal and collective suffering. But we need each other in the form of mentorship and community to help hold that story together for each other. And first, we need to start with ourselves. Russell believes that committing yourself to being of service to others can help you or a loved one find purpose and overcome addiction. Like Churchill said, no plan survives human contact. So don't be disappointed when this program doesn't immediately turn you into St. Francis of Assisi. You know, I'm still me. But what I know is, is that I know there's another direction to go in. Thank you for listening to this special commune shortcast with Russell Brand. If you enjoyed this episode, you can take Russell's commune course on recovery free for six days by going to onecommune.com slash recovery. I also encourage you to hit that subscribe button to receive weekly lessons and musings, as well as full length interviews with leading thought leaders and teachers in the fields of health, personal growth, spirituality, and societal well-being. That's all from the commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you. <laughs>